Welcome, everybody, to the Eyes on Big Podcast, your go-to Big Ten football podcast. I'm your co-host, Jeffrey the Greek, joined as always by... This is Big Kurt here. Big Kurt, you on Twitter? Yes, I am. I'm on Twitter. I'm Big Kurt on Twitter at B1GKURT. And I am Jeffrey the Greek at Jeffrey the Greek. Thank you so much for listening to the podcast, downloading the podcast. We would assume you would be sharing the podcast with friends and family members. We always very much appreciate that. We are into week four of the Big Ten season, which it's really not quite halfway. If we no, play our I nine think, games, we're... Yeah, week five will be halfway. Okay, we'll call week five halfway. Yeah. I've, everybody's been calling it halfway, and it's a little erroneous to me. Because, I think so, no. Okay, yeah, I mean, we're not going to be... And, it, you know, you have an uneven number of games, so you got the actual middle point, which is five. Yeah, so it would be Wednesday of next week would be the halfway point. Um, for the schedule, I'm being stupid. But yeah, yeah, but like it would it would be halftime of your game. I think it'd be halftime of, of the game. That would technically be <laughs> the real midway point. So make a point when you're watching your yeah. team. That will be the halfway. Um, all right, uh, we got a couple housekeeping fun items to go over. Yeah, we did forget to mention something on the last podcast, and that is our Maryland Terrapins field goal count. They didn't attempt one, so we have no shots to do this week. So for the season, they they're still sitting at three. Yeah, not too bad for them. It's pretty aggressive, actually. Yeah, they're they're on a hell of a pace for them. And by the way, they're going to remain there because they're not playing yeah. this week. On to the next one. Yeah. But sticking with the the Terps here, the Maryland Terrapins' official football Twitter feed was trolling Penn State this week, and I know you saw it. And it said it had a Maryland player standing over the backdrop of. Beaver Stadium, and it said Sad Valley behind him. And then it also said, you were, we are. Wow. That is ballsy, man. That is, that's poking the bear right Absolutely. There. I mean, <laughs> do you think Locks gave the thumbs up on that? Yes. Don't you think that's straight Locks right Probably. there? That stuff doesn't happen without Locks saying. I mean, I wouldn't think so. No way. No, Locks gave the okay to that. And I mean, my first reaction was, Wow. I giggled because it doesn't involve, you know, either my, my either team doesn't involve me. And then my first thought was that is the bulletin board of all bulletin oh, board yeah. material. That could be bulletin board material on the off season, let alone before Maryland next year. Absolutely. <laughs> and now we talk about we kind of jokingly talk about the the Terps versus the Nittany Lions being a little bit of a rivalry. At least it is one way. He's obviously trying to stoke those flames there. But I, I don't know that that's a great move. But if you are trying to scale the mountain, you got to pick a fight it's like true. that. It's so, a good point. I mean, if it winds up, I don't think Penn State fans are ever going to view this as a rivalry. But if it winds up being at least chippy, this this sure. is this is how you start it. Well, it has gotten chippy in, in the recent past, for sure. So yeah, it's going to probably be exciting next year. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Yeah, and then also, we did not mention that Kirk Ferentz won his 163rd game, passing Joe Paterno for, Paterno, pardon me, for fourth all-time as a Big Ten coach. Yeah, so, so wins as a Big Ten yeah, coach, specifically. It's not specifically. Big Ten wins. wins. It's wins, it's as, wins a, as a Big Ten coach, so congratulations to I don't think you get that many wins without being pretty good at your job. just want to say that. I think you could probably say at this point is. A pretty good I, I will say the dragging of Kirk Ferentz as a quality coach seemed to dissipate last year by the time they got to 10 wins. Yeah, it, Certainly it was a rough off season, but that doesn't take away from the 
preparedness of the football team. So that's a pretty that's a pretty big honor for for my former coach. I Absolutely, say. congratulations, oh. Coach Ferentz. And you know, I don't know if you noticed this, but on Twitter this week, or really last couple days, I've just seen a lot of negativity about games getting canceled. Oh, what a mess! I can't. Why are we even doing this? Why are we bothering? Well, so I'd like to point something out. Six out of seven Big Ten games this week are still scheduled to be played. Yep. Um, with, of course, Maryland and Ohio State being canceled. Um, every other game is still on. Only three games for the whole Big Ten season so far have been canceled. So assuming the rest of the games go off this week, that'll be 25 out of 28 scheduled games. Sure seems like enough success rate to, that it was worth giving it a shot thus far. And by the way, that's an 89% clip right there 89 percent of the much games every sports stat that's out there if you are hit amazing free throw shooters in the nfl hope to shoot 89 percent in the nba in right. the nba uh, and point and, of being like what how good did you think it was going to correct. be correct and we even said there's probably going to be canceled games right and there are and there's not many now look if half of them had been canceled and you just don't even know who's going to end up playing you know, Which could still happen. It could still happen. Right. But like then I would say, okay, yeah. But I, even then some it negativity. was worth giving it a shot. It, even then it was worth giving a shot. And even then we still got some football. Correct. So, you know, everyone out there hating, if you don't like it, don't watch the don't games. Don't watch the games. If you, if, if you hate it, don't write about the games. Because that's the one that drives me. The no- I mean, fans are fans. They just click on the TV or not. But people that actually make their living – writing about these games that complain all week long when they hear about a cancellation and then turn in their column at the end of the week and then their recap column on Sunday. What the F? Well, I got to say, I have seen a big time dial back from most of those talking heads. I agree. They're being very careful with what they say. Now you can kind of subtly read some of the subcontext that they have and tell what they because do you think there's times where like, whoa, I'm really losing numbers here. Of course. People, yeah. We yeah. saw that happening I, with the athletic. I, I almost think for sure it happened with the athletic. I mean, I canceled my athletics yeah. uh, I my subscription. I have I wouldn't blame anybody. That I did. had six months left on it. I still canceled it. I don't want anything to do with them. Yeah. Not interested. Yeah. Okay. I wanted to see if you noticed something. Okay. So we had seven games on the slate. Of course, one is canceled. Um, did you notice that almost every road team was a favorite? Hmm. There was only one road dog this week, and that was Illinois. Okay. You know, I have a weekly pick pool, and I realized I was picking a lot of road teams, and I thought, what the heck? I got to dial this back. You can't, it's just not good business to pick no. a bunch of, but wow. Yeah. That's, in, that, that's probably a stat line that you don't see very, very much. And I'm sure that has something to do with no fans, right? Yeah, I would think. It's got to be part of it. But still, um, how, how, you know, what are the chances? Right. It's something that, you, that, that you're, you're talking about here that uh, our boy Perkins and I, we were talking offline. Maybe we've talked about this on the pod, but I think there's something to be said about teams that have a very good home crowd, typically. Okay? Um, Iowa, Penn State... I mean, Ohio State, of course, is null and void from this conversation like they typically are. But, Nebraska. Uh, but Nebraska hasn't played a home game yet. Oh, okay. So both of them. But obviously Nebraska would be in there. Michigan. Sure. Um, it's almost like those teams are like, it's not just that their home team, their home crowd is not there. It's almost like a disadvantage for them yeah. to be playing at home 
and not have that charge where as a road team, if you can quote unquote quiet the crowd, sure, it's an advantage because you feel like you're taking over. So you're already getting that advantage, especially. Yeah. Do you think that's crazy? That, no, I, I think that's that's pretty. But, but specific to teams that typically have a, a, a crowd. No, I agree. I, yeah. yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Like, you know, some of the, the other teams, uh, we can go ahead and mention Illinois, Rutgers, Purdue, Northwestern. Right. Normally you don't have huge crowds. It's probably not that much different. Purdue, Northwestern stick out big time for me. I mean, like we joked last week, not having the home crowd there, which would have been all Nebraska fans. <laughs> yes. Probably right. helped them. Uh, they would have preferred the current stat, uh, uh, status as opposed to what it could have been on a normal year. I don't know. It's just something to look out for. Maybe that's a Penn State and Iowa fan crying in their beers because could be they have had that. home losses, sure. you know. But like you're, you're scraping the bottom of the barrel for excuses. <laughs> All right, what that else did, can we come up that, with there? That did cross my mind, yes. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I mean, we obviously kind of touched on it, but uh, officially today we're recording this on Wednesday night. Um, the Maryland um, um, Ohio State game has been canceled, and of course we can't say postponed like they can in some conferences because we have no makeup dates. Even though we... why is that? Well, because the leader of the conference decided that the initial reschedule of having two bye weeks in. For some reason, so it doesn't have, work. We have a leader. That's a good idea. Yeah. Um, and uh, there has been talk about uh, uh, pushing the college football playoffs back. I yeah. found it ironic that that conversation didn't start until a bunch of SEC teams started canceling. Then suddenly, or postponing, whatever you want to say. Then suddenly, it's like, whoa, maybe we need to push this back a little bit. Yeah. That was no coincidence, by the way. No, it's not a coincidence. But we'll see. I mean, if there's anything we've learned is the fluidity that can actually happen with these schedules and how these ADs coach. I'm not saying it's easy, but they have been able to adapt pretty quick to be able to pull off these, these, these football games. Yeah. It's been pretty impressive. I mean, they've, they've shown the ability to just change things on the fly. Yeah. All right. Is that through the housekeeping? That is the end of housekeeping. All right. So as we mentioned, we've got six games this weekend because of ones canceled. First is on Friday, the yikes, don't even like to say the date and that, and the rest of them are on Saturday, the 14th. So first one up this Friday night, battle for the Floyd of Rosedale. I mean, side note, I think I, I maybe not the greatest rivalry in college football, but the greatest trophy. It's, it's the greatest trophy. I No doubt. Okay. So it's, it's a no brainer for you. I've believed that since I was a little kid. Okay. I mean, I still remember first finding out about the pig, and I thought it was the greatest thing in the world. Obviously, as an Iowa fan, former player, I'm I'm biased. Um, Very proud of the fact that I got my hand on the pig, you know, at some point when I was there. And um, I don't know. It's just the – like – these trophies have to happen organically. That's as organic as a, oh, as, yeah. a as a trophy can happen. I mean, there's actually fantastic. a story behind it. There Absolutely. was a pig. Yep. There was a bet on an actual prize pig between right. Governor Floyd from Rosedale Farms, and it was an actual pig. And then after that, of course, the pig got slaughtered and they ate it. So then they made a bronze pig to celebrate, and there you go. I remember one thing that stuck out to me. So, so I read the story, and I thought the story was hilarious. I thought it was hilarious that they have this bronze pig to play for. But, you know, I was from the Chicago area born and raised. And I remember just thinking, Iowa and Minnesota, that's a rivalry. Right. I had no idea. Right. I'm like, what well, that must be pretty intense if they're playing for this crazy pig. 
I can tell you, I think it's going to be pretty intense this year as one and two Iowa travels up to our neck of the woods to play one and two Minnesota. This is kind of an early six o'clock p.m. game on Friday night on FS1. Line is Hawks by three and a half over under at 58. That has climbed up quite a bit this week. You don't see that very often uh, with Iowa games. Weather looks pretty chilly, but looks like it's going to be clear. Yeah, and correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like Amir Smith-Marset should be available for this game this week. I think week. he's back. Yep. No, no major injuries to report. So the thing that sticks out to me first in this game, pretty obvious, the Gophers offense and the Hawkeyes defense, right? So the Gophers offense second in total yards per game in the conference. The Hawks are third in points per game given up on defense at 17. Correct. So those are the two juggernauts going against each other. It is strength against strength, Minnesota offense, Iowa defense, weakness against weakness, Iowa offense versus uh, Minnesota defense. I don't think there's any way around that. But then there is one side of it that is strongly in favor of one team. We don't typically talk about this all the time, but the advantage that Iowa has on special teams is immense at this point i mean iowa i think has the best punter and kicker definitely in the big 10 maybe in the conference and i'm I'm gonna stop you right it's into it's up for debate it's my point because you've played three games blake hayes has played three years okay Okay. all right it's they're in the same they're in the same conversation he is impressive okay all right but Um, i will give you best punter kicker combo combo okay for sure um and then we find our uh we found a kicker or punt returner last week with with charlie number 16 so that's something to look for um so last week both teams had the quote-unquote get right game um uh iowa's versus michigan state a little bit more surprising maybe uh minnesota's was versus uh illinois um one thing i'm kind of thinking of is you know minnesota's played another friday night game uh, already and they've played a night game already. Sure, this is Iowa's first Friday night game ever. I, I, I don't remember him. First in, Friday my, night game ever. If, if there was one before, I sure yeah. as heck don't remember it. Okay, before my time, anyways. Um, certainly, Iowa's played a lot of Iowa game or night games previous, but this is Iowa's first night game, body clock type of thing. I don't know if that's a big deal or not. I think it's just something worth worth you know pointing out. So, so the Hawks. Kind of found their offense last week against Michigan State, right? I hope so. Okay. And the Gophers kind of found their defense last week against Illinois. Could be. Or did either of them, really? That's really kind of the question because what Iowa still has not found is their passing game. It's still not there. I mean, it's uh, Spencer Petras actually has more yards on the season than Tanner Morgan, but he's had to throw about twice as many balls. To get there. Um, yeah, I noticed his, his yards per attempt is not good. Th- it is not desirable. No. Most of it came in that, you know, awful game plan versus Northwestern. But, uh, um, I, I mean, the thing, like, we already talked about kind of the strength on strength and weakness on weakness. So, I look at this game, and I understand the three-point spread, three-and-a-half-point spread. Um, but I look at it, and I expect a blowout. I just don't know which way it's going to go. Are you serious? Yes. I here's the two ways that I think this could go down. And I honestly flip a quarter and I think it could it could go down like that. Okay. I don't know. Okay. okay. I'm I'm waiting. No, go I'm gonna it. talk firmly out of two sides of my mouth here. I'm saying this is neither one of these scenarios would surprise me at all. Iowa could just not be able to score a lot of points in the game because if Minnesota sells out to stop the run versus Iowa, which they will 100% do. Um, mm. If they're successful doing that, 
That's it. The, Iowa's offense will not will not light well, up the scoreboard. But we've seen that the Gophers. Okay, we're gonna get there. We're gonna get there. Not, but I'm just saying, like, if there is a scenario where Minnesota okay, okay. shuts Iowa's running game down, All right, and then I, Petrus can't get it done through the air, which is what I would pretty is, much expect. So here, let me ask you something, Spencer Petrus, like California kid, right? Yeah, isn't that where he's from? Right. He's never played in the cold, not once. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be that cold. Well, on it's Friday probably going to be about thirty. Yeah, thirty degrees yeah. nighttime. It's we'll know. Done. So we'll uh, we'll see. Um, um, We'll see. That that's not something I'm thinking about too much. I think he's at least practiced and played in the cold a little bit. Um, but yeah, and then and then if if in that scenario where Iowa's running game gets shut down, Minnesota's offense is just on the field a lot. And this is well, we that, know this is a great offense. That that is not up for debate. And they're really good at controlling the clock. 100, percent unbelievably good at controlling. The you clock. want to shut down Mo? They got Bateman. You want to concentrate on Bateman? They got Mo. So now on the flip side of you it, you know we got corrected on Mo's name. Yeah, again. It's, it's I know. Ibrahim. 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 Mo Ibrahim. Yeah. So now I got to learn I another. I was just gonna cheat and say Mo, but yeah. I so I like eyes on big bra. Bra him. Him. Ibrahim. Bra him. Mo Ibrahim. Okay. Got That's it. Good. I like okay. that. All right. Um, and then on the other side would be. Simply if Iowa can just run the ball. <laughs> if they run the ball and suddenly Minnesota is playing what I think by far, by far, is the best defense they have played yeah. so far this True. year. So I think Iowa, boy, I, I think they should be able to run the ball on them. I mean, Minnesota hasn't demonstrated a good defense against anybody except Illinois, which I'm not even sure counts because they're the fourth string quarterback out there. Right. And jumbled up offensive line. Right. I I have I still don't have a lot of confidence in them. Although they can't possibly be as bad as they were the two, first two weeks, right? You're just, yeah. I mean, okay, they could be. <laughs> I don't know. I, I I'm Il, Illinois. When I when I watched the Illinois Minnesota game, um, Minnesota or excuse me, Illinois was having some success, but at some point it seemed to me that Minnesota figured out that. There just wasn't going to be anything happening in the passing game. No, with of course Illinois. not. So it was, it was they easy. became an extremely one-dimensional. One yeah. and, and, and even that one hand that wasn't tied behind the back was kind of loose and hard to use. So there just what there wasn't that much there for Minnesota to have to to stop. It's not going to be the case with with Iowa P- Petrus is and, and those receivers. I mean, what I'm curious about is, I mean, it's beyond obvious to me, but. The jet sweep motion and running out of shotgun, Iowa is so much better running the ball out of those formations. So if they choose to do that this week, I think they're going to have success running the ball versus Minnesota, but I'm still not convinced Brian Ferentz will will commit to it. I don't know. How can you not? I don't know. We'll find out, but... I I know he's stubborn, but boy, after seeing what he's seen this week, and even going back to last year... I hope so. I I don't know. I think his dad might be... All right, okay. Or his dad's the one putting the governor on we don't ever really know well that, that's but a good point yeah we don't ever really thought know that, about but, it that way yeah. but so pj flack has never beaten iowa right only team in the big 10 west he hasn't beat it's the only team in the big 10 west he hasn't beat and he wants this one baby he wants this bad oh yeah but you know you got you, you got a great coach on both sides of the ball here i i just this one was probably the toughest one of the week for me to this pick. is hard this is hard I don't see it being a blowout though. Because I, 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 I know it. I know I said that. I'm not predicting it. Okay. But because I'm predicting a close game, I'm predicting close 
but a win for Iowa, 27 to 24. So the Gophers oh, covered that Jesus. three and a half spread, and I'm going slightly with the under there. Well, actually, that is, no, that's under by about a touchdown. So yeah. pretty pretty easy under there. Now, yeah, because it's gone up. How funny? Okay, so Vegas says 31 to 27. That's what this that's what this mm-hmm. spread in line says. You just went 27 to 24 Iowa. I went 28 to 24 Iowa. So you're wow. You're making a a half point cover by the Gophers. I'm making yeah. a half point cover by the Hawks. Oh wow. Yes. <laughs> How funny is that? That's awesome. All right, moving on to the Saturday games. Take a side note here. Um, This is ridiculous. Do we have it? And what Kurt and I are talking about is we have three 11 o'clock games, noon if you will, no afternoon games. None. And you'll – okay, this is is my notes, and you have to believe me when I say I had these written on Monday. What what does it say right here? This is really stupid. Right. And what I have it by (laughs) – what I have it by is – there was only game. one right. afternoon game. And yes. I thought to myself, why do we have three morning games and one afternoon game? And my thought process was, it just sucks to not have another game to toggle with if Ohio State blows out Maryland. That was my thought process. And then in the back of my head, I was like, boy, it would really suck if, you know, they got that game Ooh. canceled. So Might how, your how, how could have I had that thought? Lowly Jeffrey the Greek. And thought, that's a bad idea. But somehow the Big Ten, run by Kevin Warren, didn't think about that and kept a single game in the afternoon. It doesn't make sense. Not it to does not make sense. All these, like, first of all, I like the Friday night game because it gives me something to do on a Friday night. That's fine. And it, and it also takes away three games at one time, which is hard to follow. Correct. Right? Why can't we do every week a Friday night game, two, two. morning games, two, two afternoon games, two, two. evening games? I mean, why why can we it, do that? And it doesn't have to be like as stringent to that to be honest with you if they did a 3-2-1 that'd I would be fine, be fine yes. with that or a 2-3-1 because if you have a big game that you want to feature on night it's the ABC game totally get it like when they did it for Penn State Ohio State yeah but but we we got two okay games at night you know th- there's there's one of these games that you could move to the 2-30 game and it would catch I eyeballs know. exactly it doesn't, and, and we it's it's Wednesday night when we record this. We got time, Kevin. Switch one of these games. What am I gonna? I want to watch a Big Ten game. What am I gonna do at two thirty? It's my kid's nap time. It's perfect time for me to watch a game. I'm gonna be beside <laughs> myself, bored. All right, first eleven o'clock game up. The three and O number ten ranked Indiana Hoosiers going into East Lansing to play the one and two up and down Michigan State Spartans. This is eleven o'clock a.m. game on ABC. Line Hoosiers by seven. And a hook over 51 and a half. We got some perfect November weather forecasted in East Lansing. All right, so the Hoosiers are riding high right now. My Hoosiers, right? They're my Hoosiers again. That's fine. You They're can have them back. <laughs> you deserve it. So they, we, they came off an emotional win. And we thought, is it going to be a letdown against Michigan? Well, they beat Michigan. Is that going to be a letdown? We don't really know how good Michigan is anymore, right? Right. Meanwhile, Michigan State, their big win... Is over Michigan. Yeah. The same team. Yeah. And they haven't looked good outside of that. Yeah. So I feel like, I, I guess the, my first thought of this game was Michigan State, I don't believe them yet. I don't believe you. I don't like, believe you're good. Or bad. Uh, not Yeah, not bad. I just don't believe, I don't know. The, like, we just thought, oh, okay, they beat Michigan. Correct. They're not that bad. They're Correct. a pretty good team. Right. I, I don't believe you yet. Okay. You got to prove me more to me. And you got the Hoosiers here able to just... just Win close games. Yeah. Blow out teams are supposed to blow out. Right. I guess the Rutgers hung around for a little bit. But I, my question to Indiana is, how much have they grown up? 
Can they not have a letdown after all the stuff that has gone on already for them this this season? Exactly. My first note with with Indiana is this is a perfect letdown slip up game. Um, to a certain degree, they're due. I don't even mean that. I swear against Indiana. Any team that's not essentially Ohio State would be susceptible where they're playing this game. So that's, again, that's not a Jersey comment. That's just, these are the games you got to watch out for. Um, I do believe in Indiana's defense. Boy, I tell you, I watched that Indiana-Michigan game. Their corners are physical. I love their corners. They are are flying all around. They're... (laughs) They are flying all around. This is a fun team defensively it to is. watch. No, it's, um, it's an excellent team. But but at the same time, like Indiana, they beat Michigan. They barely beat Penn State, and it was like come from behind. It was kind of controversial, and they beat Rutgers. I, I know. mean, maybe we're over. Like we maybe we're giving be. them too much credit. We could be, and maybe after one bad week for Michigan State, we're 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 hitting on them too much. You know, maybe. we're dragging on them like. Don't get me wrong. Like I think Iowa was definitely the more complete team. I don't think Rocky Lombardi would have had a good game versus Iowa in ten tries. Like it was, it was, it was, it looked tough last week. With so that is something that makes me nervous. But okay, let me let me finish that though. But I still think Michigan State's defense is is better than what it looked last week. Iowa's offense didn't go off versus Michigan State. They were handed so many short field touchdowns and special teams and turnovers. And special teams scored a touchdown. Right. So, okay, I I forgot to write the stat down. Michigan State is something like negative seven in turnovers on the year, and Indiana is plus six. Oh, boy, I wish we had that exact number, but, yeah, it's probably right around there, right? So last year we talked about uh, Illinois – living and breathing off of the turnovers. Now we might have two teams that are after the title of most needing to win the turnover battle. And they're both played in this game. Yeah. And we talked about Illinois, like, can they, can you sustain that from one season to the next? But that happens in season too. Like you have a string where you have a bunch of good games and you cause a lot of turnovers or give up a lot of turnovers. And it usually at some point writes itself. So yeah. Is this the game that happens here? I thought this was interesting. Offensively, IU is 12th in the Big Ten in yards per game. 12th in yards per game, offensively. But they're third in points per game. Insane. Okay, now defense... They threw out that stat during the Michigan game, and it blew my mind. And then they go out and pull off that win, and they win by a lot. Right. And, and they didn't even improve their stat their stats nope. on that. So defensively, though, Crazy. I just wanted to check on Michigan State. They're sixth in yards per game given up defensively. Yep. But they're twelfth in points per game given up. So what's the opposite of the Spider-Man meme? Yeah, <laughs> when, when Spider-Man's pointing at the Green Lantern or something. So I mean, I think was you talked about the Indiana's defense. I think they have the edge on both sides of the ball here. I think, I think from what I've seen, looking at them statistically, I think Indiana's the better team. Okay. all around. I think uh, the first half. Spread taking Michigan State might not be a good uh, or bad idea in this situation. Vegas is saying essentially 30 to 22, so kind of a weird game by Indiana. I'm not too far off from that. So I've got Indiana 28, Michigan State 20. So if you're, you know, reading between the lines here, that is a half point cover for Indiana. I don't feel good about this either way. I feel a little bit better about going under the 51.5 simply because I do think Indiana's a good defense. I do think they're due 
to have a low yardage game, but not as much of a point point total output. So I, sure. I, I would err, I would err towards the under well, in this once one. Again, we're not that far off. I do have Indiana win the game, thirty one to twenty three. So I'm have Indiana covering okay. by a half point. Yep, but. That's an over. That's an over. And I'm going over because sometimes you just got to go over. You just got to go over. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Next game up, the 0-3 Illinois Fighting Illini traveling to the East Coast to play the most intriguing 1-2 Rutgers team that you would ever think you would you would uh, watch. 11 o'clock a.m. game. Big Ten Network. This is a surpriser, right? Scarlet Knights favored by six and a half over under 51.5. We got more perfect November weather in New Jersey for this game. So we could um, we could call this the Illinutkers game because a lot of Illini and Rutgers fans do call it that. It's not exactly a trophy, but no. this is called the Illinutkers game. So we we still have for Illinois, Brandon Peters still not available due to COVID. Um now, however, second-string quarterback, Isaiah Williams, who was out due to contact tracing, should be available. We think he's available. Also, the normal starting center, Doug Kramer, was out due to contact tracing. He should be available, too. So, Illinois should be back at least closer to full strength, although not fully. Yeah. Um, so, do we have any kind of idea how much Juice.0 is going to be? Is it going to be a platoon thing between... So again, um, I think I, Matt Robinson hurt his ankle pretty good in, in that second game. So I don't expect Matt Robinson to be available. If, if they pull Isaiah, I would say Karan Taylor's probably the back in. I would expect Isaiah to start and play every snap as long as he's healthy. Okay. Um, the Illinois offense needs a spark. And if there was ever a time to just say, screw it, let's roll the dice and see what juice has. This is it. Oh, I mean, there's no reason not to. First of all, he's your highest-ranking quarterback on the depth chart, so you, you got to play him. I mean, if I was Illinois, I would just go with the straight ground attack, juice and the running back. I had those same thoughts where is there a scenario here where Illinois just says, screw it, does a lot of, like, wildcat juice stuff, just straight-up RPOs where he's got, I don't know, one read rolling out. G- yeah. g- give Rutgers a different look, something to look at here. I- you know, I'm trying to call us as I see it. That passing attack last week was brutal. It was really bad. Like brutal. it's, it's a non-option. I think at this point, I feel bad for the Matter Bebe brothers, but it's they don't have an option uh, thrown to them. When I texted you earlier this week, uh, searching for information, what I wanted to see is you know with guys coming back because I think if you did get Matt Robinson back, we're looking at a completely different game plan. But not having Matt Robinson back, not having Peters back. That that's we just we don't have a thrower right now. No, we don't. We don't. Okay. And I feel pretty confident Rutgers defensively. I mean, they're pretty solid both run and pass. I would just throw as much athleticism at them as you can. Okay. Yeah. On the flip side, uh, Vedral, they've got a quarterback advantage. Rutgers does. And they have a quarterback advantage, but I think that's somewhere where Illinois kind of does match up a little better because their passing D is so bad. And Correct. If they can focus on it, they can do okay stopping the run. And yes. Vedral's just not nope. – I like Vedral, but he's not going to be a guy that kills you through the air. No, nope. so and think, they basically got one, maybe two options. Like, I think Crookshank's more of a Swiss Army knife than he is a receiver. Um, I mean, they've got an option at both, you know, running the ball and, and, and pass catching, but man, I mean, this looks like a game that's just going to be a slog fest 
to me, mostly on the ground. You, you already hit the nail on the head of what I was going to say, which is we know Illinois' weakness is in pass defense, but I just don't think Rutgers has the game plan and the ponies to, to pull it off. I do think there's enough of a pass rush to get to Vedral by Illinois. That's even, actually surprised me this year. Right, yeah. right. So, man, this is one of my bigger plays this weekend is the is the under in this game. And along with that, I have Rutgers somewhat easily covering the six and a half. So I've got 28 to 14 Rutgers. So that's a touchdown cover for the Scarlet Knights and a full touchdown under uh, touchdown and a half under the uh, over under 51.5. Okay. Well, another thing I was wondering, Illinois is so bad with the running quarterback. I, I'm wondering, and Vedral's got some wheels, by the way, but Johnny Football Langan just slamming into the defense. I'm wondering how much we're going to see him. Could be. Because the way that the game plan that Northwestern had against Illinois last year was exactly that. Just big, strong quarterback, just slamming into the, the, the defense, and Illinois could not stop it. Now, I'm looking at these two teams. You know, we talked about matchups. I just see two teams on totally different tra- trajectories. In fact, I'm saying that Illinois is one of three. I'm calling them my white flag teams. They've kind of raised the white flag. Can they turn that around? I don't know. I haven't seen it from the coaching staff. So I'm going Rutgers to win the game 28 to 17. So they easily cover the spread. And I like the under as well. I swear, folks, we do not show each other these no. uh, score predictions before we sit down to record. That's crazy. That's that's another one that was within three points. I bet you one of those white flag teams is playing in this next game we're talking about here. The 0-3 Penn State Nittany Lions traveling into Lincoln to play the 0-2 Nebraska Cornhuskers. This is an 11 o'clock a.m. game on FS1. Nittany Lions are favored by 3.5 over under 55.5. We got gorgeous weather for this football contest. So I was looking down through the stats. Now that we have a few games on the books, I figure you can actually get something out of the stats and they're pretty evenly matched offensively and defensively. And then, you know, n- neither of them have great numbers. But then you realize, well, they also both played Ohio State. That's part of it. Yeah, yep. that's a big part of it. But, yes, Penn State is one of my white flag teams. Yes. Um, they certainly raised the white flag against the Terps last week. That was embarrassing. Yep. So I just wonder where they're at mentally right now. Somewhat concerning press conference from James Franklin. Oh, I missed this it. This week, yeah, I mean – I mean, essentially, he said, I need my family. He had not having his family around. This is honestly, there's something to this because, you know, he sent his family down to Florida to essentially quarantine. He's got an extremely sick daughter. Oh, really? And they're very afraid of, you know, oh, boy. virus. So totally understand that. It just looks like a program that's just, it's having a rough go of it this year. I still believe this is located in the year 2020. Penn State's going to be just fine moving forward. But this year, yes, it, it, it is looking tough. Uh, one uh, point of positivity was that Pat Fryermuth did say, I've had yeah. no plans on shutting it down. So I absolutely love to see that. Already liked him as a Nittany Lion, baby Gronk. He's, he's just moving up the ranks. You look at these uh, two teams. When I talked about Iowa and Minnesota last week, they had the get-right game. Both of these teams are still looking for that quote-unquote oh, yeah. get-right game. So a, a couple things I want to see. I want to see Penn State's offensive line wake up and finally bust a grape. That was just a putrid performance last week. And I want to see Nebraska's quarterbacks wake up and their passing game wake up. Yeah. Uh, it's, it, I mean, it, it's, 
it's been bad. Right? It's been bad. I mean, focusing on Nebraska right now, um, I've got two notes, which, and I'm, I am confused at both. And I don't think, I still don't think we know Nebraska's defense has looked better, right? Yeah. No, I think so. Yeah. But has it, I but, mean, they so, gave up 52 points to Ohio state, and, but, but then we throw it away. Cause yeah, it's we throw Ohio it away. State. I always say that doesn't count. Okay. Ohio state never then counts. they looked good versus Northwestern. Yep. Well, other than Maryland, I mean, Iowa's defense looked good versus Northwestern. Northwestern's offense is not going to blow the doors off of almost anybody this year. There's maybe one more team yeah. on their on their schedule small, that they're going to do that to. Small sample size. But then on the other side of it is 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 uh, uh, Nebraska's offense really this bad? And then you look at it and they go, they played Ohio State's right. defense and they, and played, they North played Northwestern's defense. defense. So I saw and heard. And talk to North or God dang it, uh, Nebraska fans melting down last week, and I was trying to help them out to a certain degree and say, "Hey, you, you played Northwestern's defense. You you gotta you gotta oh. remove yourself and understand that's part of the deal." So it's still interesting to me that we still have something to learn about, a lot of things to learn about with Nebraska, and we're you know into the fourth week of the season now. Of course, this is only their third game. So something I've noticed about both of these teams is. Sometimes all they can do on offense is just run the quarterback. Yes. I, they, give, they give up, and that's what they got. You may want to start giving up earlier. Both, or Both of these teams. Okay, you led right into my point, and, and this is what I'm wondering with Penn State. I think we're deep enough into the season to know the running back injuries are just too much for this team. Even the mighty Penn State Nittany Lions is susceptible to losing a plethora of talented running backs. I think they should essentially abandon the run, not not completely, but use it as a diversion. The Go, when they've gotten back into these games, they've quit running the ball and they've just chucked it around. So do like Jeff Brown, but mix in a little running yes. with the quarterback. One hundred percent. That's I think that's a good idea. Now, you know, we, we talked about Northwestern and how they always play these low-scoring, close games. We have got two teams here that seem to have a knack for losing. Low-scoring, close games, don't you think? Correct. I mean, Franklin. That's kind of the knock that that his own fan base has on yeah. him. I think what the 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 stat was ten out of twenty-six games that Scott Frost has coached were one-score losses. Correct. That's now no bueno. So I'm wondering, and I like James Franklin as a coach. You know, Scott Frost. I I, I still have uh, confidence in him, but he's still got a lot to prove. I'm not sure right now, and you, and you even mentioned it because it was his, the family thing. I'm not sure right now who the better coach is right in, in this game. I, on I Saturday, mean, if we're talking about success that they've had in the the Big Ten, there's no talking about Saturday. Okay, who's the better coach on Saturday? Because something's wrong at Penn State. Maybe it's the family stuff. Yeah, and the other I don't thing know. is, I don't know the answer to that. And there there are, I feel like. After last week, and again, I'm not agreeing with this because I tried to dial it back, but I've seen even the non-crazy Nebraska fans, the ones that are Scott Frost is going to get this done, even they're starting to question some of the – because the issues that have plagued Nebraska for yeah. now two and a half years, you know, the the the, the ill-time penalties, the the turnovers, you know, a and lot of a that. Just a lack of passing efficiency overall. I would say it so. It seems to get worse, not better. Right. Yeah. But, all right, I'm going to start. Okay. I think because Penn State is one of my white flag teams, and I, I feel like Nebraska still has this incredible desire to go out there and play a football game, 
I like Nebraska in this game. I like them to win the game, but 27 to 24, obviously a cover there, which is a little bit under as well. Are we that close again? And again. So another thing to look for is, will Cam Jurgens be back? He was out last week, their center. I'm telling you, if Iowa lost Tyler Linderbaum, that's a huge loss. That was a huge loss. I, I think he will be back in this game. You, you took all my points, so I'm just going to, I don't know, I guess say them again. Yes, it seems like the, both teams want to get off the mat, but I think Nebraska wants to get off the mat more. I don't I think know, so. I don't know how to say it. it. Probably we'll see if the home team thing, you know, not playing in front of the crowd, if it weirds them out, maybe to a certain degree, Penn State's more used to that. But I got almost the exact same score. Nebraska 27 Penn State 23. Wow. So that is a five and a half point under. And not only does Nebraska cover, but the outright win. Nice. That's crazy. We do not have an afternoon game to talk about. Um, anyway, so moving on to two evening games at the beginning of the year. We probably would have thought this was the game of the week, but we're not picking it for the game of the week. Number 13, 1 and 0. Oh, that's right. They've played one football contest. Wisconsin Badgers going in to Ann Arbor to play the 1-2 and two reeling Michigan Wolverines. This is a 6.30 p.m. game on ABC. Line Badgers by 4.5 over under 53.5. We got some perfect November weather in Ann Arbor. So, do you think one of these teams might also be a white flag team for me? Yes. Yes, I do have Michigan, the reeling Michigan Wolverines as a white flag team for me. But I'm just curious, where is Wisconsin at? Because, well, number of things. First of all, how crisp are they going to be? Are they going to be rusty? They haven't practiced a lot. They've, they've, they've been set That's at home. That's probably something that a lot of people don't know. They're, they're not just they're not just uh, 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 not, they're, not, they're not practicing. They're, right. not, yeah, they're not. I was going to say they're not just not playing. They're they're not practicing football. They like, shut down football. I think they activity. could work out. Is essentially what they could do. I didn't even know that. They I don't actually, even know that. You know what? I don't even know that either. Hmm. So that is something that plays in. We're also not one hundred percent sure all of the people that got contact traced, whatever, and no. don't get to play in the game yet. Yeah, because, you know, they had the uh, Mertz got COVID. Right. But then it was like it went from like a couple players to six players to eight players to and 22. And so stuff like that. We have no idea. We really have no clue. Now, I have plugged into as much Wisconsin insider stuff as I can. They are very confident that Graham Mertz will play in this game yeah. because he – tested first on the the Friday. Yeah, so, so he has the 21 days and you do get to practice that last week. That's oh, what that's they, right you do. Correct. That is so right. So he is I'm I'm confident to say that Graham Mertz has been practicing with the football team this week. Boy, I forgot about that. That's a but, thing. But then also I I read that Chase Wolf he he tested positive too. Okay. Like essentially the same day almost as So maybe they Graham have both Mertz. their starter and backup. We don't know. We don't know. We won't know until until Saturday night. I mean, I'm just curious how many are out on that defense because yep. to me, if if they're if it's a full strength Wisconsin defense against this Michigan offense, it's basically completely one dimensional. It's give Joe Milton the ball and Joe go out there and win the football game for us. They are gonna tear that offense apart. Absolutely. I cannot get past that. I mean, right now switching to Michigan, there are issues all over the place. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson went out of that game. Oh yeah, last I, week. I forgot to mention Aiden Hutchinson's out for the year. It, that's that's a big loss. That's just, I mean, that's that's 
that's salt in the wound, big time, right there. So I, I, we we are hearing we are hearing things behind the scenes as far as who's calling the plays. There in has this been game. some chatter. There has been <laughs> chatter. We we think maybe the former offensive coordinator is barely even a part of the game plan. We think planning. We anymore. think there's defensive coaches that aren't part of the game plan. It's messy. It is messy. I, I am convinced that it's messy in Ann Arbor. And right now, I mean, you know. Like I don't think you were doing this just now, but your thought your thought process was to just give the ball to Joe Milton, and that's a bad idea. I'll say this much: if they didn't have Joe Milton right oh, now, oh gosh, they, can you imagine this team with Shea Patterson? Oh my God, holy crap, <laughs> he's so bad. It's, so we got to give Joe Milton some credit here, because absolutely, because when he shows his flashes of talent, he still looks really good. No, he's very good. He just needs a little more help around. And him. I do see speed at skill positions that shows out sometimes. Yeah. But but it's but I the O line is we thought the O line was going to be messy. Yeah, it's messy. It's messy. But you flip over to the other side of the defensive ball. backfield. Oh God, Don I mean, Don Dummy Brown is just killing this. I don't care. He's killing this defense, man. It's it's in the same sets. Wide receivers are getting behind the secondary religiously. It's happening all the time. And what and and I know it was versus Illinois pass defense the week one, but right now who's got I. I I don't know if I would say the better or worse pass defense, Illinois or Michigan, it's up in the air right now. And, and you know, it's it's a good parallel because I really thought that the Illinois, at least defensive backfield would be good. I was I was worried about their pass rush, so I was kind of worried a little bit about the passing game. But the, the Illinois defensive backfield is embarrassingly bad. And you can – Michigan's is that bad too. It's that bad. It's that bad. And they don't have a pass rusher linebackers to, like you said, to get nope. to the quarterback. So I think Danny Davis and Kendrick Pryor are good enough to get behind the Michigan – Secondary, and I think uh, Graham Mertz is a good enough quarterback to to get him the ball. So yeah, I mean, I think if you have Graham Mertz and you've got most of that defense in place, I don't think this is much of a contest. I don't think they even need most of the defense in place because okay. we have talked a lot of times about how Wisconsin could essentially just pick five guys off the street, and I swear to God they'd wind up playing stellar linebacker play that day. We don't also don't know if there's anybody missing out of the defense, correct? No, we, we don't know that. We for have sure. no clue. So I'm not going to assume there's five starters out of the defense. So I think we pretty much have, have shown our cards at this point. I have got Wisconsin 30, Michigan 17. So that's 47 points. That's quite a bit under and quite easy badger cover. Okay. I'm going with Wisconsin to win the game, obviously. 33 to 23. So covering pretty easily. But I've got the over there. All right. That brings us to the. The 3 and 0. Finally ranked number 23 Northwestern Wildcats at the 2-0 Purdue Boilermakers. Also a 6.30 p.m. game on Saturday night. This is on Big Ten Network. Line Wildcats down to 2.5 over under 50.5. That's the lowest over under we have on the board. Another thing to look at. We got a lot of weather, good weather all around. We get, we're pretty warm here, but predicting some... Some rain. Oh, some precipitation. Precipitation. In West Lafayette, huh? So, first of all, we got to start off by saying we are referring to Northwestern as NU in this segment because they've earned it. They earned it. So, obviously, Purdue, very one-dimensional offensively. So, I'm, I, I just – you're not going to stop David Bell. He's going to get his yards. He's probably going to get his points. But I think if you're that one-dimensional against a defense like this – that's it's a bad sign for Purdue. 
I think so. Don't you think so? Yes. And Northwestern we, is a complete team. It's just that none of their parts that complete it are. I mean, this is Northwestern. I can say this freaking every season, every you know. But that's the truth. I, I, I don't know what else to say. I mean, now I will say. Let me take that back a little bit. Their defense is getting to be off the charts good on all levels. At you know, this point. I'm, I can't believe I'm going to say it again that they <laughs> lost Sam De- Miller. I'm having deja. I'm literally. I'm. I, I'm literally having deja vu right now. Yeah, and Willick from the defensive backfield too. Two like stalwarts of their defense. Have we literally talked about this on this podcast? Because I'm having strong deja vu right now. You no, know, we've talked about. It. I just can't. I can't get past it. How? Um, I. Th- yeah. And it's part of it is the frustration of me being so wrong about this team because what I saw on paper was not good. So I want to give a sh- I want to give a shout out to Jim in Minnesota. Uh-huh. After the Nebraska loss last week, I talked to him and he was just despondent I think is the word and he's just like oh Northwestern they just they just drag you and bring you to the bottom of the river yes that's exactly what they do and I'm assuming he meant because that's what alligators or maybe it's crocodiles that's what they do to their prey they grab them and they just bring them down and they drown them and then they and and that is that's what's perfect they don't but they don't just chomp and take and just take you apart they just you don't even know you're dying yet and all of a sudden you look up and you're like I'm dying here. And that's what Northwestern does. But, okay, every team loses players every year, right? But it's like they're impervious to it. Kind of like Wisconsin's defense. You like, just name a team. Oh, they lost this guy. They lost, and they just weren't the same after that. Eh, doesn't matter who Northwestern loses. Because Pat Fitzgerald is coaching the defense and running it. I mean, these linebackers right now are getting to be, like, they're getting to be, like, like Big Ten lore linebackers. These yeah, days. I mean, they, it's every game, multi uh, uh, double-digit tackles for all of them. I mean, do you think they'll go again? All, all, all three of them double-digit tackles. I'm going to say no because of, because there's Purdue's going to be throwing the ball so much. That's true, but they'll probably wind up throwing in front of the linebackers. I know, <laughs> like, a bunch of drag routes right in front of the linebackers. Boom, because that's all that's going to be open. Um, okay, so for Purdue. I think there is I, I think Northwestern has already gotten quite a bit of respect, not just among Big Ten fans, but nationally. I mean, people have watched Northwestern play and they're like, dude, Northwestern's a solid team. They've gotten credit. I don't think Purdue has gotten that credit nationally, and I don't even well, think they they've haven't, gotten- but I mean look, I've watched them and they do not play very clean football. No. Okay. So they're they're kind of it's kinda like Jekyll and Hyde with Northwestern and Purdue. I mean, Purdue Bad penalties, bad mistakes. They just, they don't, they're just not one of those teams, you know, good discipline like Iowa, like historically Michigan State, like Northwestern. No. So I'm not convinced yet that this is a very good team. And at one point, I I was thinking more along the lines that they were, but I've kind of looked deeper into the stats and rewatched the games, and I tend to believe that way. I mean, even after the Iowa game and Illinois game, I wasn't confident in the Purdue defense. I'm still not confident in the Purdue defense. Well, we and we we don't even know if George Kalafkas is going to play so I, in I, this game. I looked it up. I couldn't find anything about him. So I don't it, – it, that injury looked pretty bad, by the way. Correct. So if I had to guess, I would say he's probably not playing. And, he, you know, he's obviously the strength of their entire defense. Overall, not a very good defense. Overall, one-dimensional on offense. I just see a lot of things pointing to Northwestern here. Absolutely. But, but I still think with Brom, with David Bell, I think – 
they're going to score points. So I yep. think Northwestern's got to get off their ass. They can't play like a, a 13 to 12 game. That's the thing that I wonder about for Purdue. This almost has what I talked about before, where I could see a blowout either way in the Iowa Minnesota game. There is a there is a way that this could be a blowout either way in the Purdue Northwestern game. Northwestern blowout. Literally just shut down Purdue's offense because that's what Northwestern does to every single team. Now they're not going to run to the races with their with their with Northwestern's offense, but something like 28 to 13, 30 to 13, something like that. They literally score points simply because they have the ball more. Sure. On the flip side, Purdue could blow the doors off because Jeff Brom just says, screw it. I'm not falling in to the trap, to the to the Fitzy trap. And he chucks that thing 800 times in on Saturday night. And it works because they've got the Frisbee catching dogs, namely David Bell, to make it happen. Is that crazy to think that that could go no, down? No, it's not crazy. And I think that's exactly what he's going to try to do. He's just going to say, bleep it. I'm throwing the bleeping ball over all over the bleeping field. And I, there's nothing you can bleep and do about it. Dead on. I would be shocked so, if there's any other game plan from Jeff Brown. Okay, so that's why I think this is actually going to be an over. I hmm. think this is going to be a little higher scoring than than what Vegas says. I like Northwestern to win the game. I do think Northwestern's a better team. I'm going with an ugly score because it's Northwestern. There's going to be missed extra points. There's going to be two-point conversions. <laughs> they're, they're probably going to find a way to score four points in one play. <laughs> And I, I'm going with Northwestern 32 to 26. So they do cover and that's an over. Okay. I mean, we're not too far off here. Um, after all that talk about Purdue chucking around doing crazy stuff, I'm going back to the river, man. I think they're just, they're just going to drag another team you. down. I've seen three games. You know, why would I doubt it again? I've got Northwestern 27, Purdue 21. So a, that for Northwestern purposes, that's a actual quote unquote, Easy cover for sure. them. Yep. Two and a half points. So I got them covered by what? Four and a half. So I've got a slight under Wildcats cover. They move to four now. Yes, sir. I All don't right. disagree with that. No, we'll see. Uh, maybe not the, uh, the historic, awesome slate of games for the Big Ten. But each one of these has some intriguing stuff that I think we get to get to watch. I don't think it matters what the matchup is. I love every, every, every matchup in the Big Ten. Pretty much. I do, too. It's always interesting. Although, I'm, I don't know. How interesting is Illinois at <laughs> Rutgers? <laughs> Maybe not every game. That would be the lightest interesting yes. game. Illinutgers is at the bottom, but all the other ones are really intriguing. I am Jeffrey the Green. I'm Big Kurt. This is the Eyes on Big Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. We will talk to you soon.